Today we're continuing on in this series about the habits for life, habits of Jesus, and we're looking specifically at this habit of gathering. And on the one side, this may feel a little odd, right? We have been in a state of COVID pandemic for the last 18 months where there have been restrictions or gathering has been made difficult. Or maybe we've even felt that fear of being in the room or around other people. And on the other side, when talking about, well, Jesus, this habit of gathering, it's kind of like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, he was always around people. He fed, he helped, he was present, he healed, he was eating dinner, whether it was with disciples or even people that were a little bit shady, like the tax collectors. And so it's one of those things of, okay, well, the habit of gathering, what does that begin to look like? What does that begin to look like when we're in the middle of a pandemic, when we're talking about, yeah, Jesus did it all the time. It just seemed, you know, he, he was an extrovert or something. How might we begin to understand what it means to have a habit of gathering that moves us beyond, well, yeah, let's just get together, a surface kind of level. And so the scripture we're going to look at today is out of the book of John. And this reading in John is unusual because it is only found, the story of the foot washing is only found in the Gospel of John. And it's in the place where in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have a story of the Last Supper, where Jesus goes through somewhat of a liturgy with the disciples around him. But in John, it only briefly says they shared a meal and then this story of foot washing unfolds. And what we know about the first century foot washing is that they lived in a dusty, dirty road kind of area. They don't have shoes like we have today. And they walked everywhere. They didn't have cars to jump in or public transportation. And so their feet got dirty from walking around because they were generally in sandals or even barefoot. And so when one would enter another's house, hospitality would be extended by way of offering water for the guests to wash their feet. And if you were entering a house of some wealth, that it might actually be a servant that shows up to wash your feet. And so there is a sense of foot washing and there's a sense of how does foot washing kind of begin to connect to the life and death of Jesus. So a few interpretations of this passage come in the form of it's connecting back to baptism of a ritual of purification. There's another interpretation that looks at it as connecting to the death of Jesus, that Jesus goes to great lengths in service. And so he shows complete humility in washing of feet and then is humiliated on the cross. And so a connection there between baptism and death. 
But for us today, as we are looking at this story, I really want us to focus in on what does it mean for us to gather, a habit of gathering even in the middle of a pandemic, even when things may be difficult to gather physically face to face, what does it mean to have a habit of gathering that is connected to Jesus? So we're going to begin in John, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. So Jesus knows that the storm clouds are gathering, that things are about to get very, very difficult. In fact, we might even from our perspective go, he is about to experience such horrific pain and suffering. And even the depths of that at this point are unknown to those of us surrounding, to those of us reading the story, to his disciples, and maybe even to him, his, himself. He knows it's about to get really bad, and he knows that a friend of his, a friend of his is betraying him has said, you know what, I'm going to give you over. I'm going to make your life difficult. I am so right about the situation that I am going to put you at risk. And so Jesus in this gathering, as the storm clouds come, as things are about to get super challenging for him, as the what's going to happen exactly, how is it going to unfold, is kind of up in the air. Jesus gathers them, takes off his robes, and there's a lot of detail in this. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. So in this moment, Jesus becomes vulnerable by taking off his robes and putting this linen towel around his waist. And then he bends down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. He is gathering them in a way that is different. He is gathering them in a, in a way that it's signaling something about this is different, even in the smallest of details, right? That was a really detailed list of what he did. Takes off his robes, puts on the linen cloth around his waist, bends down, it starts washing the disciples' feet, not just, well, they had a foot washing. And some have made this moment of one where it's a moment of service. And we can certainly see that. We can certainly see that. But I want us to think about the attention of detail that he is paying to the disciples, those whom he loves, those that he loves, in the midst of the storm clouds gathering, in the midst of challenging, difficult times, Jesus is still making space for gathering in a different way. And for us, right? 
We've learned over the last year to gather in a little bit different ways. It may not be our preferred way, but there's been Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and all of these different ways. Maybe we've gathered more outside with one another. Maybe we've kept a little bit of distance, but to think about of the different ways that we gather, the different ways, even in the smallest of ways, that we began to connect and show love. To think about how are we gathering even when the circumstances aren't the best. Continuing on in verses 6 through 8a. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Oh, Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. He is the guy who thinks he knows it all. He is the one who makes statements about who he thinks Jesus is that is connected to what he thinks Jesus wants to hear. And Peter also seems to have this notion of he expects Jesus to act in particular ways. That if Jesus is the one they are supposed to follow, then he's supposed to act in particular ways and certainly not in a service model. Certainly not in washing others' feet. That for many of the disciples, they thought Jesus had come to conquer Caesar. That he had come to make war. That he had come to bring violence and that they were going to follow him into battle to overthrow the Roman government. And Jesus is like, you still don't get who I am and what I'm doing. Jesus is not Caesar. Jesus is transforming their lives in ways that they don't fully comprehend, that they don't fully understand how he is changing their perspective of how they are going to live, how they can gather, how they are going to love one another, how they are going to sit and have dinner with each other. He's giving them a new possibility, a way of thinking, but he's also given something else. Foot washing, foot washing is a very intimate thing. It requires a bit of risk and vulnerability because think about it. Generally, right, I, I don't know if you can see my shoe, but Right? We all wear shoes, sometimes socks and shoes. And we often keep our feet covered, especially in public. And so our feet are very sensitive. And we keep them often enclosed. So if we had somebody, if we showed up to somebody's house to have dinner, maybe longtime friends, and they said, hey, I tell you what, remove your socks and shoes and I'm going to wash your feet. We'd be like, wait, what? I don't think I've had a pedicure. Like, I don't, like, should I, I need to, whoa. In fact, we might go, you know what? I think I left something on the stove. I think I got to go. In this moment, Jesus is giving us a sense of what he brings to our lives that when we gather, there begins to be this vulnerability, this risk that we're taking with one another in how we are engaging, 
how we are engaging one another in mutual love. Because it's not just that he is giving service kindness, he is showing love, but he's also asking Peter and the disciples to receive it. And so how do we begin to think about the mutuality of giving and receiving of love, of giving and receiving, even when it means we've got to be vulnerable. We, we've got to take a risk. Because it's, right, Peter, no, you will never wash my feet. It's like it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And so it's like sharing something of ourselves that maybe no one else knows. That Jesus is asking us that when we gather, that we are able to share something of ourselves that maybe we've kept hidden like we keep our feet in shoes. And you may be going, okay, what do you mean by that? What do you, how does that begin to work? It's been a while, but I was sitting at dinner this one time, and I was sitting uh, with a couple, husband and wife, been married for years. And we were sitting there talking, having a good time, and I made a statement. We were, we were discussing like how women in the world, like different things of how they feel or different pressures that sometimes they feel. And I said, I have never met a woman who didn't at some point have a body image issue at some point in their life. Doesn't mean that they had it their entire life, but at some point, whether that was during the awkward teenage stages or at some point later on, I would like to meet the person who's never had a body image issue because I have yet to meet that person. And the wife says, yeah, I know what you mean. And her husband kind of looks at her, and this was a, a good, relationship they communicated a very healthy relationship and she said every morning when I wake up I look in the mirror and I think who is this old tired woman and I could see on his face he was like wait a minute what and I said to him I said you didn't know that did you and he shook his head there are things about us there are things that Others don't even know, maybe even those that are closest to us. And so what this story is getting at is trying to make us think about, trying to get us to understand that when we gather with others in whatever way that is, that even those that we're closest to, how often is as part of that habit are we allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to show something about who we are, of taking that risk of uncovering our feet, of allowing us to receive love as well as to give it. Continuing on in verses 8b through 11. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. 
So in this moment, Jesus shows us yet another aspect of this, how do we gather in vulnerability and risk? By actually drawing a boundary. He is drawing a boundary with Judas, who is going to betray him, and he's drawing a boundary with Peter. He's drawing that boundary with Peter of going, you still don't get it. I need you to think a little more. I need you to dig a little deeper. I need you to understand, Peter, what love is and isn't. Peter, you jump to, you know it all. Chill, man, just chill. And so Jesus draws a boundary. And Jesus draws a boundary with Judas. He doesn't react. Jesus doesn't react in the way that maybe Caesar would. Total annihilation of Judas. Jesus reacts in this sense of, okay, I'm going to draw a boundary. I'm going to be real about this situation. There is one of you that is struggling and that's going to betray There is one of you that is really struggling with how to gather and interact, how to be in relationship with others, and it's going to be destructive in this moment. So the boundary is, I'm going to be real about it, but Jesus is not going to go on the attack. He is not going to go for revenge. He is not going to try to dismantle Judas in whatever way possible. He is not going to act like Caesar. And so when we're thinking about how we gather and how we love and how we risk and how we're vulnerable, we also have to understand how we draw boundaries in love, in those relationships. Because relationships aren't meant to be where we're just overpowering another. That's not mutual love. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is like, no, we have to understand the boundaries in those moments of risk, in those moments of being vulnerable, in those moments of gathering. So as we have this habit, as we are trying to figure out what does it mean to gather on a level that Jesus is calling us to, what does it mean to gather on a level that digs far deeper than the shallow of, yeah, it's nice to get together. I don't really know who you are except for, you know, we met like a few years ago and you seem cool and you like had a boat. And so we talk about that of what does it mean to gather beyond things of the surface? So going to verses 12 through 18. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? Call me, you call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those whom I've chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. The one who eats my bread has turned against me. Okay, so there's quite a bit going on right here. Jesus finishes up with the washing of the feet. Jesus is now instructing them of saying, hey, you've watched what I've done. 
Now, how will you serve one another? How will you allow yourself to be served and how will you serve one another? How are you going to be kind? How are you going to live into this humility? How are you going to live into this vulnerability? And then he, he comes at it. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you must also do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. So in that moment, Jesus is going, okay, here's the other thing. Nobody's better than anybody else. We are all humans, and we need to begin to understand those connections, those connections that we are generating when we are gathering together, that we need to understand one another, that I am not Caesar and I, the servants. That is not how this is working. Jesus is like, no, there's a new way of living. We're understanding how we are connected, how we are mutually connected because we are all human is vital, is vital to gathering, to loving one another, to loving each other mutually beyond the surface. And so he's trying to get them to think beyond, well, okay, we need to be kind to each other. We need to serve each other. No, we need to begin to understand each other in all of our differences and not allow those differences to divide us, but instead learn how those differences begin to connect us in new and exciting ways that those connections can lead us to other levels of living and gathering. And so to think about those connections that we are generating how we are digging beyond the surface for them. How we're like, no, wait, I really do. I want to get to know you. Tell me something about yourself. Not the surface, but something about who you are. And so Jesus, Jesus is really beginning to challenge them here about how they are going to live beyond this moment. And he is challenging us in the way that we gather of how are we connecting to one another? How are we giving space and understanding? How are we going, you know what? I'm curious. I want to know more about you instead of the surface. Because if we keep it surface level, we shouldn't be surprised when we feel alone. We shouldn't be surprised when we feel like we are misunderstood and nobody really knows us because it takes vulnerability and risk. It takes us wanting to understand another's connections and for someone else to understand us. And that we even do it in the midst of all of this swirling, right? It ended with, the one who eats my bread has turned against me. So Jesus is doing this. Jesus is having this moment with them of being vulnerable in the midst of someone doesn't care about that connection. Someone doesn't care about the relationship, about the gathering. Someone is making such difficult decisions that it's going to impact all of them to a level of destruction, of betrayal, of pain. So how are we gathering? How are we learning about who each other are? How are we being vulnerable and sharing? 
who we are. Finishing up in 19 through 22, I'm telling you this now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am. I assure you that whoever receives someone I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After he said these things, Jesus was deeply disturbed and testified. I assure you, one of you will betray me. His disciples looked at each other, confused about which one of them he was talking about. So Jesus wraps up this moment before he's going to go to the garden, before he's going to pray, before he is going to be arrested. He wraps this up by saying, listen, you're going to pay attention. You need to pay attention to all those around you, to all those connections. I assure you that whoever receives someone I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. It's about this understanding of looking at that connection between all of us, of seeing the Christ in front of us in each person that we meet, which can really do a number with the way that we begin to act and react and interact with one another. Because if every time we come face to face with somebody, granted socially distanced right now, but as we come in contact with people, right, as we see them, and if we have a foundation that it is possible, anything is possible, because God is with this person, just as God is with me. How do we begin to change our interactions? How do we begin to start to move beyond the differences that can lead to divisions and see our differences as things to connect and learn, to grow together of learning what it means to be in a mutually loving relationship with people that we meet across the spectrum. If we come at it that just as God is with me, God is with them. How does it begin to move us beyond thinking in the way we interact, in the things that we do, in the words that we say, in the way that we approach situations? How does it begin to change us and move us in the way that we gather together when we are wanting to move beyond that surface level. When we are, maybe we've had this experience where we may be surrounded by people, but we feel so lonely because no one knows who we are. And so Jesus is like, hey, you got to pay attention. I am in you, and I am in the person in front of you. So how do we begin to interact? How do we begin together? How do we begin to see one another to be present with each other, to love one another in ways that are new, that make the impossible possible, that say, you know what, we are not following Caesar's love where, you know, Caesar would give love because Caesar wanted something, or Caesar thought you had something of worth, or Caesar thought, well, okay, you did a good job. How do we begin to say, yeah, that's not love, that's not it, and begin to look at the love of how Jesus gathered 
with others, of how Jesus is bringing people together, is connecting people that maybe we thought impossible because we begin to see the face of Christ in every person in front of us. And so how will we take this story, how will we allow this story to challenge us in how we gather with one another, in how we understand and connect with one another, and how we are willing to be vulnerable and take risk so that we can live into this mutual love? How will we allow this story to challenge us today? Amen. Thank you.